My name is Cass. Alex. And this is Anime is for Jerks. Uh, this month, we are talking about Shirobako, which was directed by... I should have... I, oh, I need to pull up the fucking Wikipedia article beforehand. It was directed by uh, uh, Tsutomu Mizushima and produced by PA Works. Um, and I actually... Because I was... I was I really liked this show, and I was really uh, struck by how good the writing was, and I wanted to know what uh, Michiko Yokote, who was the writer for this show, had done before, and she wrote many of the best episodes of Cowboy Bebop, Really? And she was the head writer on Mononoke. Holy shit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why this show is so good. Uh, Alex, what did you think about this show on a second viewing? Yeah, yeah, I have seen this show before. Um, I watched it myself years ago uh and actually when i first saw it i had not yet seen ava mm. and so to see it again now and uh the, the bit where uh, there is a truly incredible ava M- reference in this Miyamori show <laughs> meets hideaki ano and tells him that she's only seen the rebuilds <laughs> it, hit, it hit me it uh, hits different <laughs> Other than losing all respect for Miyamori in that moment, uh, I like the show again on the second viewing. It's it's delightful. Yeah, I was uh, really blown away by the show. I didn't because ex- you you had lowered my expectations of this show. You were like, "Oh, we probably shouldn't watch it. There's not that much to talk about." This show's great. It it is great. Um, uh, and like, I think my reluctance to um, present it to you. Like a cat bringing up, bringing a, a mouse in. Uh, yeah, I think part of it was that uh, maybe because I've seen quite a bit of PA work stuff, like they do have a formula and mm. like some of their stuff is better than others. And like my recollection of it was maybe that it was more formulaic than it actually is. Yeah, but, the other thing uh, that, that made me a little bit wary of this show and, like, it, that made me believe you was looking at the Wikipedia article and, like, just, like, the key art promotional mm-hmm. poster that they have. And, like, a lot of the sort of, that sort of stuff around this show, like, the openings and endings are not particularly interesting. Um, they, yeah, they did get... Last night I was falling asleep and I had, like, the opening stuck in my head all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, they do They do grow on you and... Um, it did make me kind of want to rewatch Hanasaka Iroha because, like, that one is is also just a very nice little show. Ah, but um, yeah, but the, the show, it looks a lot better than I expected it to based on how ugly the poster is. It does not <laughs> look amazing. It's a very no, functional show. It, yeah, it's it's a very kind of, it's a it, very... It gets the job done. Yeah, it, it's a very, like, able implementation of kind of modern anime yeah. techniques. Uh, which I think uh-huh. PA works in some ways pioneered because, like, I think Hanasaka Iroha like was 2011, and it looks it still looks like a modern anime. Like yeah. it, it's kind of 
I, it had a lot of kind of the the glossy the glossiness of that's kind of yeah. taken over. Uh, it's I very think it, it's a very shiny, very perfect looking show. Yeah, and and I was it's it's funny that um, that it, it has that's that Shirobaku in particular kind of toes that line of, of of a very kind of standard modern look when it's when it's a show about the kind of the history and production of anime. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a, there's some funny moments when like they reproduce uh, like imagined older anime, like the yeah. Andy's, Andy's Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> when I was watching that, I was like, this looks better than the real show. It does look better than the real show, but you also look at it and it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't quite look like old anime. No. No. Uh, uh, but yeah, but like... It, Overall, I, I didn't hate looking at this show. Uh, yeah, it, it it probably would have been infe- not feasible, but it would have been fun if they had like flexed that more. Yeah, like that's like, one of the know, big it, comparison points between this show and Ezoken is that Ezoken is really, really playing with its visual style to communicate a lot of stuff about making anime and about like the process of creation and the process of imagination, whereas this show is much more sort of like straightforward and grounded. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I'm imagining like how Carolyn Tuesday, like had all those original songs that they did. I mean, most of them were bad, but they yeah. at least tried to kind of like do a bunch of songs in different styles and genres um, as part of the show. You know, like, yeah. Like Izuku, it would have been nice if they had kind of really, yeah. but Again, that's this is kind of this is kind of PA Works wheelhouse. This, this look. Yeah, um, I was gonna say something. Um, but yeah, like they, they do occasionally one do stuff to like show the interiorities of characters. Like especially with the director, they often like insert him into like scenes that he's imagining and stuff like yeah. that. Or uh, and like there are some bits where like they can't avoid showing the anime that they're working on in the show, which is very funny. At one bit near the end of the first season, uh, where they basically make up, I like it's like very much like like PA work sewing is haha. Let's make up the hardest <laughs> possible final episode to draw, and then PA works reaping. Oh fuck, we have to draw that. Yeah. <laughs> we have to yeah. draw at least some of that, or we'll look like cowards. Oh, but yeah, all the fucking horses. Yeah, all the horses. So yeah, so this show it's about. What I what I I was talking the reason I decided to watch the show is because uh, my friend my coworker Esteban Fajardo um, told me we were talking about Ezoken and he was like have you seen Shirobako and I was like no and he um, and he described it as basically taking place after Ezoken um, <laughs> and it, it super is that like it's about a bunch of friends who had an anime club in high school um who all later get and then it sort of fast forwards you know past college and they all have jobs in the industry now or are, yeah. certain, or are looking to get jobs in the industry um and except, rather, except rather than being told from asakasa's standpoint it's more told from as if it were katamori's yeah uh, because Although, uh ali is not like Kanamori in that she's not she doesn't she's not as much of a hard ass right but like uh, so Aoi is yeah she she works as a production assistant in the first season and she's our sort of like main point of view character and she's a really really great choice for a point of view character because she um 
product being a, a production assistant and being a producer like puts you in contact with everybody at the studio um yeah. and so it like if the main character our perspective character were like an artist or whatever like there wouldn't be m- as much opportunity for them to like go to dubbing or go see um you know sound design and stuff like that which is stuff that we get to see because Aoi uh Miyamori like Miyamori. she Miyamori uh Miyamori like because she has to do all of that stuff she has right, to bring right. stuff to sound designers she has to do all of this stuff and talk to all of these people and so we get to see a much more holistic view of how anime is made and, and Aizuken is just the three of them yeah. um and this, this show Asuka, has a huge cast and it is inc- <laughs> it's remarkable how well they manage it and it like, gets big like it gets bigger in the second it half it gets bigger yeah <laughs> yeah like they add characters and like it, it really is remarkable how effectively they communicate who all of these people are and and like they're and like allow you like help you keep track of who they all are like the main trick that they use is that in every episode whenever a character appears on screen for the first time they get a title right. like but they also know. are very strongly characterized yeah uh, sometimes to the point of caricature like yes uh the they add they add a keyframe artist in the second yes. half who is <laughs> just like like the, the f- most timid person on earth it's yeah it's, it's she's very adorable funny because, i love her she's precious yeah she's she's adorable but like one of the one of the five high school friends who are kind of the core of the show emma she ends up being a keyframe artist in uh, miyamari's studio and Throughout the first half of the show, like her arc is her gradually gaining confidence in herself and um, learning to assert herself and and not be such a wallflower. And then in the second half, she she's now she's dealt with her shit. Let's introduce someone who's like her turned up to eleven. Yeah, just who cannot who can literally not speak and. <laughs> and Emma is basically her translator of her little squeaks into yeah, like the, the human biggest language. Thing that that suffers in this show is that sort of like deeper characterization. Some characters get more characterization than others, and like Miyamori doesn't get characterization uh, uh, beyond that she likes donuts <laughs> until like episode seven. Um, and she's our protagonist, but like the show is just so busy introducing us to all of these other people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so for anybody who doesn't know, I assume that everybody listening to this podcast knows that I work at a video game studio. And one of the reasons why I was recommended this by one of my coworkers is that, like, animation and video games are not exactly the same, but they, and like, they are very, very similar. <laughs> and like, the more that I watched this show, the more that I was like, oh man, anime is exactly the same as video games. Like, there's so <laughs> much, the more that I thought about it, the more that, you know, like, there are some differences that, and and there are some things that I thought were very different between uh and like animation production and and game production that that actually really aren't all that different. Um, so like one thing that that sort of surprised me that this show goes into is that like like this show takes place at a rather small anime studio that does uh, that's like embarking on its first original project, um, and its first well, like in, well, in a in a long time. Yeah, it's the first original. Yeah, I was about to finish that sentence. Um, yeah, they were working on their first original project in quite a while. But like, we see a number of other studios that are also small studios or even smaller studios that primarily do contract stuff. And that was something that, like, in retrospect, it's really obvious that that sort of thing would exist. But I had thought of animation as being very different from games in that, like, it's very possible 
for one person or a few people to start a video game company and make video games, but it's much less possible for that to be the case with animation because, like, you just need so much more manpower. But, um, like, this, this whole thing of, like, this whole loop of, like, oh, we're going to leave a bigger studio, start a small one, do some contract work, hire more staff, and then maybe we'll get to work on our own original thing or adapt something, you know, or whatever in the future. Like, that's totally what video game developers do. Mm-hmm. That is how video game studios reproduce. Um, <laughs> you know, so it was it was super it was super interesting to, like, learn all this stuff. But yeah, there's, there's just so much. So, yeah, so in the, the, the first episode of this show... Yeah, Mia Mari is... Uh, introduced as gay <laughs> yes she is introduced by yeah like the first thing that we see her doing as an adult is that she's driving to go pick up keyframes that were drawn by a keyframe animator who works from home who has whose main character trait is huge boobs um and and she's introduced as being like wow look at those boobs <laughs> um yeah um so yeah, so they're working on this new show called called Exodus, which has the plot is never completely <laughs> outlined, like, but it is insane. Yeah, what's so funny about this is like, from, from everything they, all the details they guess about the shows they're working on, they sound very bad. They sound off. <laughs> that's like the truest thing about this show is that they're putting their heart and soul into producing something because they get to make anime and the stuff they make is just absolute ass. Like it's just like not, it's not ass because any of them are bad at their jobs or they do anything bad. It's just like fundamentally a bad idea. Like, <laughs> like they have made garbage. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in the second half, they are adapting a, like a popular manga. So like, obviously there, you only have so much f- flexibility. And a big part of the second half is the kind of the, the, the battles, the with... battle between like the, the studio and specifically the director, his vision for the show and the author yeah. uh, and, and the lack of communication and, problems of, yeah. of during production but the first half of the show is about the, the original one they're producing yeah and so, so it's, it's a show about like pop idols who get in trouble with the police mm-hmm. somehow and like an <laughs> enormous it's like a 13 episode show about like i have no fucking clue like how it gets from point a to point b because like the end of this show within a show is that like they escape the cops on horses that like turn into jet engines or something like that no it was it was, it was hideaki Anu who wanted to yeah. replace the horses with the jet horses engines just grow wings um but yeah so they had yeah so at one point they have like a crisis where the director's like the ending needs to change then he goes on he kind of like has a a vision uh, where they like break into a concert hall and start giving an impromptu uh, performance, it's, it's, which reminded me of like uh, that kids on the slope bit, where it, like the the fantasy of like drawing everyone to to your performance oh, by yeah. the sheer power the of your genius. Of a jazz nerd. Yeah, uh, except these are pop idols, so it's slightly less unrealistic. But then the cops come and like try to like straight up murder them they escape on horseback for some reason a cowboy shows up out of nowhere yeah it's um, it's insane oh maybe that maybe he's the same cowboy from bebop 
Oh. He's, he's blonde in Bebop, isn't he? The asshole. Oh, you can tie your the, hair. The himbo cowboy. Yeah, that's true. You, as we know from the goth lowly girl. Yes. <laughs> uh, the the girl who dresses all in uh, goth yeah. Lolita outfits but um, plays baseball. Yeah, she's the fucking best. She she's rules. She's so cool. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, the show. So the, that was the, what the I Exodus. realized that I've seen... A, a number of screenshots from this show in memes oh, yeah? without knowing that they were from this show. <laughs> like, specifically shots of her and then that bit where, uh, what's her name, the CG animator is, like, sitting on the, like, children's playground trying to get a sense of motion in a fighter jet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, know? Michan. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, the, the plot of Exodus is deranged. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> by all accounts, is very bad. But that's not the point. The point is that they are working to produce the best that they can within the constraints they find themselves in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they the first episode of Exodus, we're, we're sort of joined in the first season, we joined the production in Medias Res. Uh, so the first episode of Exodus is just about to premiere. Um, and the first episode is about uh taro who sucks screwing up he's there's, just okay he's there's, just, there's two guys at this company who should be fired <laughs> in the first season one of them is taro who should be fired because he's an asshole and he's terrible terrible at his job yeah he's a, he's another pa but he's just the he's just, he's just a little prick. piece of shit like and he's just such a dumb he's he's that anime guy archetype of just like he's super horny and like very full of himself and incapable of judging of reading the room or judging other people's responses yeah um you know he's like yosuke from persona 4 um, <laughs> or junpei from persona 3 he is jumpy uh and and yeah it's funny to contrast him with miyamari because uh kind of it's yeah we were talking about her nickname is Meow Mori, yeah. uh, which is mostly what uh, Yano Erika calls her uh, because they're dating. Uh, <laughs> and it's cute because like it not only is it, is it a cute nickname, but it also is like part of why she's such a good producer is that people is that she's a cat. Really, it's just people people. She endears herself to people very easily. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, she very often convinces people to kind of do what needs to be done just yeah. by the fact that they like her. Yeah. Uh, and Taro, Taro is does not have that. that ability. Yeah. He, yeah, he's what his, his role in the show is that he sort of represents like the typical anime fan who knows nothing about anime production who has somehow gotten a job as a pa on an anime producer so like everything that he says is i i imagine that they just drew all of his dialogue straight up from things that they've heard people say on the internet about their shows <laughs> like like just straight up because like there's all this stuff uh like near the end of the show when they're talking about like having to change the ending to their their adaptation because the author doesn't like their planned ending um like they talk about uh like he, he's like oh if i were the director i would simply hold my ground and not change anything and it's like well then they'll and, and it's like well then they'll like the, then the show won't make it to air you know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like they no doubt have 
when they like contracted the rights to this uh yeah this production they were <laughs> the author has to sign off <laughs> yeah. on these things and you can't just like yolo it yeah but like the the every person i i have to i have to imagine that every asshole or every like bad decision that somebody makes in this show is based on a real human being <laughs> like a real person and it's like because like you you look at all these characters and it's like i know all of these people i have met every single one of the people in this show <laughs> you know there are so many of them and they are everywhere uh, but yeah so yeah so the first episode taro screws up um and the keyframes uh for our, an episode weren't finished correctly and so they have to go and get uh uh sagala who's the big titty animator uh to do the job again or to do to do redo the keyframes because there's just no more time for anybody else to do it um and yes i and then so she does and overworks herself she overworks as, herself and then as she seems that. prone to do yeah um and that was like that was when I realized that the show was good. Was that was at that moment at the very end where it like, like it was willing to show the realistic consequences of decisions and mistakes made by people during the production of an anime. Where I realized the show was going to be good and that it wasn't going to pull any punches. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, episode two. Uh, the keyframe issue winds up being resolved. We wind up getting a different person to deal with it. And then I think we get... Uh, oh, right. This is the episode where uh, the director, uh, Knoshita, he... Uh, they're, like, having a meeting about this. And he just... Or they're at a dubbing. And, like, one of the characters is, like, reading her lines. And he reveals, like, entire bits of character information that he just, like, been keeping in his in his head and just assumed that everybody else knew. Uh, and, like, this just radical change to this character that nobody else knew was going to happen because he hadn't written it down anywhere. And they... This was infuriating to watch. This was so infuriating to watch this guy. Like, I eventually grew to kind of like the director over, over time, but this being, like, the first, like, real, like, lengthy interaction with him just pissed me off so much because there are so many motherfuckers exactly like this yeah. in every creative industry who just assume that everybody else is on the same wavelength as them until somebody does something that they don't like, and then they're like, oh, well, actually, uh... You know, I, it needs to be different than that for reasons that I didn't tell you and you couldn't possibly have known. Sorry. Uh, it's uh, it's infuriating. So, yeah, so he, like, comes up with this whole new, like, character backstory for this character that he'd just been keeping in his head. Um, and it, it, it is just, like, it's infuriating because there's no good way out of it because you can't, like, you can't just tell him keep that shit in your head and we're <laughs> making the show the way that we were planning to make the show. You can't just steer the ship like this because like it's, he's the director. Like it's his job in a sense to steer the ship. And if he has plans for later on in the show that rely on this sort of stuff, then like you're creating in a sense more problems by not changing it than by changing it. But also it sucks to have to give that sort of dude what he wants. <laughs> yeah. To, 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 to like reward his, his, inability to kind of yeah uh, do yeah, things but he, he experiences some pretty significant character growth over the course of of the show because he so like the last original 
show that the studio that uh, Musashi Animation, the studio that they all work at, um, worked on, was called Boing Boing Paradise. <laughs> the and Wikipedia summary dis- translates it as Jiggly Jiggly Heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and you can guess what? What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the plot is never clear, but the 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 process is is clear and it's just like this 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 guy is, is a great representation of a typical anime director in the sense and a typical director in any creative medium in the sense that he has no real strong creative vision despite being a director and <laughs> that he just sort of regurgitates stuff that he's seen elsewhere and that none of his ideas are really all that coherent or good um you know but he you know, like, he, he's not a visionary of any kind. He's just sort of a mediocre dude who happens to have worked in the industry long enough and, like, be able to do... And is, is able to do the work of, of direction, uh, more or less. Um, yeah. But, like, he he seems to want to be a director more so because he wants... He like, likes the he, idea of directing He likes the idea more. of directing more than he has any actual good ideas for anime. Um, you know, and, and so, like, yeah, so, uh, his previous, um, uh, Boeing, Boeing Paradise, uh, was an absolute disaster. And so it's, it's kind of the, um, yeah, the spaghetti incident, if you've read Calvin Hobbes, uh, yeah. just repeatedly referenced in hushed tones. Yeah, and we get a little bit more. De- we get we don't get very much detail about what the show is supposed to. We get the detail of basically that he put off doing the storyboards to the point that it held up the entire production of the show for like weeks, and then eventually just like they had to like have four recap episodes, and the animation was a disaster, and the show wound up not being finished. Yeah, um, and it's like this notorious disaster on the internet. Like people bring it up all the time um, as just like a like a, a sort of legend um but yeah so they wind up eventually basically deciding hey we should probably have a meeting to determine what all the characters are like uh and we probably should have had done that before we <laughs> had uh the first episode aired um but yeah and then uh episode three is mostly about uh Aoi, like struggling with a lot of uh like just just a lot of work like there's just it's just an, an episode full of problems like like you know there's a problem with some retakes and then there's Ali like has a bunch of work to do and she accidentally delivers keyframes to the wrong place and then needs to find another person to redo some keyframes and then the studio's FTP server goes down <laughs> you know you know like and that that like what I saw like I was already impressed that like the episodes often feature stand-up meetings. <laughs> um, but like the fact that like the show a key plot point in an episode revolves around an FTP server it's like the show has just a, a, a dedication to in- extreme like boring details of anime production that is really impressive like it's really dedicated to being realistic in a way that Azokin wasn't yeah you know like Azokin it captured some aspects of anime production but it was a lot it was much more focused than sort of like the general sense of like ideation and like the sort of general process of making something whereas yeah. like this is like very 
very intensely like you know you can look at the screens of the characters and see the programs they're using right because yeah like yeah. like we mentioned like they drew uh, like, they drew the 3d modeling software in enough detail that i can tell it's cinema 4d <laughs> yeah and that's and that's like and it's kind of um like why uh, mia mori is the center of it because it's about yeah. the production rather than the kind of aizuken is much more about ideation i guess ideation and, and the creative process more broadly which is why yeah. uh, asakusa is the kind of the primary character yeah. rather than uh kanamori because and uh, because it's in high school because it's let it's not stakes are pretty low industry there it's a it's it's their little fly-by-night club um you yeah they um it it makes sense that like Aizoken isn't about kind of the nitty gritty like that. Um, where, while this show is episode four, uh, they lock the director in uh, prison until he gets a story of, like, <laughs> oh uh, you know, which is like, this is like the most divorced that the show gets from reality is the <laughs> idea that an anime studio would have a specially built prison in the closet for the director. Um, yeah. but like the the thing that it is describing is extremely real you know like especially when it comes to like when you're a lead on a project you have to do a lot of responsibilities that may not be to your liking you know there's a lot of stuff that gets added to your plate that is not really related to why you got into doing the thing in the first place and like you know, making storyboards is it's it's slow work. It's tedious. You know, like it's it's about like taking all of this stuff. It's the most frustrating thing in creating something, which is that it's taking all of this stuff that lives in your head where it's perfect and yeah. putting it onto a piece of paper where it's dog shit. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and that that's the sort of hardest thing is that like when you when everything gets when all your ideas get to live in your head forever you know you, they never have to be bad you never have to confront your own limitations yeah you know so like you know and like everybody who works who's ever worked as a lead or who's ever worked with people who are do, like that you know on projects you know those leads wind up having to do stuff that's just like not what they're good at or what they're interested in but like because they're in a direction role on a project you know like they they have to do it like they and and they'll put it off for a really really long time and and do stuff that's more interesting to them um you know even if the stuff that they don't care about is more important right uh but yeah so like this episode is is very funny um because they lock him in jail <laughs> um we also you know, meet and, diesel chan this episode i think yes uh i forget her real name midori Midori. Um, uh, yeah, and so she's a college student who wants to be uh, an anime screenwriter. The, yeah, she's she's the youngest of the five high school. Yeah, and crowd. we also yeah, and we also want we also meet uh, Miyamori's sister. Oh yeah, comes, her she comes to town. Um, Determined and, to party. Yeah, like to book uh, a train to visit someone without asking is psychopath <laughs> uh, um no i think that's a few episodes later i have i have that note about episode seven so i think that's episode seven um uh, the, the the summary says shizuka comes to um huh. i don't know why i have that as a note on oh no seven. shizuka is not the sister 
Yeah. Shizuka is the voice actress. Yes. The, the last of the five. This this whole Shizuka's character and stuff is so is maybe the realest because she one she's she like I appreciate the show's commitment to portraying just how difficult it is to get work as a voice actor because like it's it's becoming a voice actor is one of those things that seems very easy because you got a voice after all uh but like it's it's actually extremely difficult because it's so competitive because so many people think that they're good at it you know yeah and so many and it's just like there's the barrier to entry is very very low because you've got a voice don't you but like (laughs) there's there's so limited spots and like the barrier to entry being low and also like the amount of prestige you get for being a voice actor is very very high like a lot more people are interested in who is a a voice actor in in these shows um even outside of japan like the people that i know like the people who are like who i would describe as weebs mostly know anime voice actors and directors you know mm. like people don't know other other people who oh, might i was think i was thinking like english language voice actors uh there's there's less kind of of a culture of um oh yeah, prestige yeah, yeah. In, them. oh no no no, no. Not, not well yeah because we just don't do like nobody cares about animation here yeah but like voice actors for anime in japan can become like real proper celebrities yeah. um you know, and so there's a lot of competition for it. And then, like, the, the other thing that really got me is that, like, there's a very complex dynamic when you're getting into a very competitive industry, you know, like anime or, like, any entertainment industry, and you're succeeding and you have a friend who is floundering mm-hmm. or the other way around, you know? Like, it's something that everybody who works in this sort of industry is going to have to deal with, especially if you went to college for this sort of thing. You have a lot of people, you know, you have a peer group that you're coming up with and you're all looking for jobs that are on the same time. And inevitably, some of you are going to get jobs and some of you won't. Right. You know, and and the ones who have jobs are going to get feel a lot of survivor's guilt about, like, having it be so easy for them yeah. to have gotten their foot in the door. And the ones who don't are going to be as as uh shizuka uh does uh crying in the dark in their apartments while watching tv shows about newbie voice actors um but yeah so she she goes in um so yeah shizuka in in episode four goes into uh can say uh she goes into her first audition and she's super nervous she blows it she never gets a call back and then she talks to she talks to her like voice instructor she like meets her again and her voice instructor is like, you know, go in with confidence. One of the one of the few things that you young people have going for you is is irrational confidence. <laughs> yeah, because Shizuka uh, also works part time at a bar. Yeah. Um, and so often uh, the, the gang will meet there and that's where she meets her. Yeah, her instructor. Yeah. Um, so episode five. Oh yeah, episode five is the the three D two D situation. Oh right, because yeah, Taro has um, kind of demonstrated why he's a bad PA um, because there is a kind of um, an ongoing dispute. There's a question of 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 how they're going to do this one kind of complicated. Um, I think it's a chase sequence. It's a or... chase sequence with explosions. In yeah, it. And and I want to s- know if they're going to do the explosions, um, and uh, CG if they're going to do or... the explosions in CG, or if they're going to hand draw them. And yeah. the CG guy 
does the explosions in CG and shows the director, and the director's like, wow, these are great. I had no idea CG explosions could look so good. Let's go with bees. And then uh, Ryosuke, who's the one of the keyframe animators, and he's like, I thought I was doing the explosions. Hand-drawn, hand-drawn explosions are better than CG explosions, obviously. And he's right. He's right. Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, and then, like, the, it's this whole thing because Taro doesn't want anybody to know that he's fucking up this bad, which just causes it to be worse. Right. So, he, like, he refuses to tell the production manager uh, because he, he's worried about causing more trouble for him. So the production manager, who could have helped fix this, doesn't know about it until it gets as bad as possible and Ryosuke like quits the production. Right. So so like how it escalated is basically like uh the director was not kind of like very clear about going one way or the other. He was he was kind of wishy-washy. And so as he is wont to be. Taro, instead of kind of nailing him down to a specific decision and communicating that clearly to uh the CG and keyframe animators, he kind of just carried that wishy-washiness and kept kind of giving the both of them conflicting uh information and so they both ended up kind of starting the work and stopping the work and starting the work and getting increasingly upset and and his entire's complete inability to kind of clarify the situation and and not be a dick (laughs) (laughs) just end up kind of yeah blowing the situation way out of control yeah uh, yeah, and it escalates, and there's a lot of, of meditation in here about, like, oh, are the old ways going by the wayside and stuff like that, and, like, uh, Ryosuke meets up with somebody who was, like, a super famous, like, old guard, like, 2D animator, and he's talking about how he's now teaching younger animators how to use CG software, um, and... Like, yeah, how to, how to kind of, um, use CG in a way that kind of takes from the lessons of 2d animations yeah. and we get a little and, bit of that in the second part yeah. uh with, with the pig in the cockpit <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's some great stuff where they talk about how like cg isn't just it it well it can't be as good as 2d unless you do some stuff to like actually pay into the animation and not just cg stuff like textures and models. yeah they, they have a, yeah they had that really interesting little technical discussion of how um, kind of by default when you're doing something in CG, like uh, from one kind of motion to the next, it's a smooth transition. Whereas when you're keyframing, you choose kind of these key bits yeah. and and kind of expanding, uh, contract time in order to kind of yeah. emphasize the action the way you want it. Yeah, with, with traditional 2D animation, you have a lot more control over how much time each frame is on the screen for uh, and how many in between frames you draw um whereas with cg animation you know you have a keyframe here you have a keyframe here and then it just automatically tweens and it just generates this perfectly smooth animation yeah. um but that's not that's not how people draw anime because it looks bad when you do that. it looks we- like it has no weight yeah which is so funny that they kind of commit the same cardinal sin that like basically every like um, careless use of CG does, which is like the 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 three D elements look smoother than the hand drawn yeah. because none of the CG in the like they talk like it's clear 
from the way that they talk about 3D and, and, and 2D animation and stuff like that, they know what they're doing and they know why it's bad and that they still do it wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, is like, I understand why because I've watched this show and because I know I've worked <laughs> in it. Like when you're in that environment, like you just have to get the show out there. And like, if you're not conceptualizing this as a show where like the visuals are super important, you know, like whatever, who cares if the cars drifting around look stupid, you know, like <laughs> it's not like the, the important point is to like get convey the plot. It's not to like flex with the animation or whatever, but like, you know, so much of this show is devoted to, like, the idea that, like... I mean, in, in a sense, it's a, this, this show equips you to understand which parts of this show don't look good and why. Yeah, yeah. But, like, so much of the show is about, like, the value of going above and beyond and the value mm -hmm. of caring yeah. about about your work, you know, and, and about doing good work even when it's hard rather than just trying to, like, mail it in and get yeah. a paycheck. And, like... So much of the way that this show looks looks like they were just mailing it, um, <laughs> you know. So it, it sort of rings a bit hollow when you're looking at at the show as they explain to you, like you know, you should do it right rather than doing it the easy way. We did it the easy way. We have PA <laughs> works, but do as I say, not as I do. Um, well, at least they didn't have a recap episode. They did not have a recap episode. Um, yeah, that whole plot line is is infuriating, um, and and it's it's like very like peak like sitcom idiot plot where just all the tension would disappear if the characters just talked to each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they, yeah, they end up going like the keyframe animator and the three D guy end up going to this exhibition of their favorite old timey anime. Yeah, and Pond, which is like the in universe equivalent of Gundam. Yeah, and then they they realize they both love the same things and are, and are really they both want the same thing and they hug it out. Yeah, and I at when during that scene, like, because what happens is is that Ollie gets two tickets to that from work, and then gives them to uh, the two the two animator animators who were dueling. Um, without telling each other so they both show up and then like they they bond over their shared love of Idipon and their shared hatred of taro uh and i was just like as this was happening i was shouting at the screen production this is production <laughs> yeah yeah miyamori is like she she is a schemer yeah a lot of Unexpe people wonder unexpectedly devious a lot of people wonder what a producer does and that's what a producer does <laughs> um you know uh but yeah and then in episode seven that's when uh Miyamori's sister visits and she does the psychopath thing of booking of calling her sister to say hey i'm coming to visit you right before getting on the shinkansen <laughs> right uh, oh yeah, yeah and, Kaori. uh yes and they look approximately nothing alike yeah um, but yeah, like the, her role in the show is that like, like she doesn't work in the anime industry. She works back uh, in the countryside at some like big office software company. Um, and it's really in banking. It's like a credit union. Yeah. Something like that. Um, uh, and they, they talk about, um, how like, like this, this sort of section of the show is like how difficult it is to explain to people who don't work in entertainment 
about like the weird shit that happens in entertainment <laughs> yeah because yeah her like her sister is like a paradigmatic office lady in yeah. a like a, a pretty kind of crummy job yeah um and she she doesn't like her job and then miyamori is like she she says something like like well you wrote up a schedule why doesn't it happen according to the schedule <laughs> and, and it's like i wish i i wish i knew buddy <laughs> <laughs> you tell me <laughs> um but yeah like it, it just this whole thing of just like just how different it is working in in entertainment compared to working in a more normal company because like it's very it's very project oriented with much stricter deadlines like if you're working at like a regular software company or at a bank or anything like that like you're generally working on a core product that you're not like you don't ship it and then like stop working on it like you you're continually working on it and supporting it like you're not there's no like end in sight when we're gonna stop working on the software that we make, you know, yeah. or whatever it is that we do. Whereas when you work at and an, an, in entertainment, you're very sort of project driven. Where like everybody, there's this hard deadline, and the thing that we're all working on, we're all working on the same thing, and it's got to be done by then. And then when we're finished, we're done, and we just stop working on it. You know, depending on the industry, there might be some additional stuff that needs to be done afterwards for promotional purposes, or if you're working in games, you know, you need to support and do patches and stuff like that but like at a certain point you move on to the next thing you know and it, and it really does completely radically change the structure of everything and it also like tiny delays in that sort of environment add up like somebody takes one day longer than they were supposed to, to do something you know and then like you know a year down the line that has like cascaded into a disaster <laughs> yeah So, um, yeah, and so, yeah, so while... Yeah, like, I, I, her sister sucks, I hate her. Because <laughs> uh, she's, like, she, because she's, like, because, like, she, she, one, she invites herself to visit her sister, which is a psychopath thing to do. And then later, her sister is, like, super stressed out at work, and she keeps sending her pictures of them, like, going around the city on vacation. Um, and then... Miyamori uh, like specifically asks her, "Hey, can you not do that?" And she says, "No. Part of my she says part of my enjoyment of my vacation is you suffering." <laughs> God. <laughs> and it's just like, "Wow, you're a huge piece of shit, and you're sleeping in my apartment, you son of a bitch. You absolute motherfucker, get out, sleep on the street, you piece." <sighs> Uh, but yeah, so yeah, on the subject of kind of the, yeah, the the weirdness of the industry, like in this, this is the same episode where Emma has her first kind of crisis when um, she is, uh, is doing some keyframes and uh, like she is worried about not being kind of a fast enough worker. Yeah. And so she ends up rushing these keyframes and Sagawa is um is kind of like this yeah, she's like these aren't usable. Uh and so um like she has a crisis that she'll never be good enough or fast enough to kind of hack it 
And yeah, because she sits right next to this old guy who's like a real, real old school animator. And he doesn't even work on the same show as them. He's just using that desk, but he works at a different studio on a different show. Yeah. And he tells her, like, you know, it's it's more important to be fast at this stage than it is to be good. You know, the only and he, he says something that's, that I think is very real. You know, it's very much it's something that I think a lot of people internalize, which is like. Or have to internalize, which is that, like, the only way that you get better is by doing a bunch of keyframes. Yeah. And the only way to do a bunch of keyframes is to do them quickly. Yeah. You know? Like, it's more important right now to be fast than it is to be perfect. Because you'll get better over time the more keyframes you do. Yeah. Um, you know, he talks about, like, you know, a lot of people, you know, they do... They get better, but they don't get faster. They just they actually get slower because you know the the better they get at drawing, the more time it takes them to complete something. And, yeah, they, and they become and they kind of are perfectionists, and so kind of yeah. as they get better and see how they could improve, they slow down and are more careful. Which in other contexts would be fine, but uh, when you have a deadline, when you yeah, when you're doing keyframes. Uh, unfortunately you cannot uh have that luxury yeah and and like he he gives us good advice but she goes she takes it a little too far you know and she's like because she starts she starts to really panic about like if i can't do it fast and i can't do them well you know like if i if if doing them right takes too long and doing them fast isn't good enough then i'm never going to be able to be a good keeper you know because yeah uh she had been given uh, these, the, yeah, these were some difficult keyframes because they were about a kitty cat, uh, and she hasn't done a kitty cat before, and so she had trouble with the motions. Yeah, and then she gets taken out. She gets taken. <laughs> uh, uh, she gets taken out by a sniper. Uh, <laughs> no, she uh, she's like really, really stressing about this. And what's her face? Higuchi. Higuchi, yeah, takes her out to the park. One, one of the senior keyframers. One of the senior keyframers, yeah, and takes her out to the park and is like, I come here, and this is this is one of my favorite bits of the show, which is, is them talking about how, like, you know, you could be sitting at your desk stressing and not getting keyframes done, or you could be at the park relaxing and not getting keyframes <laughs> done. Yeah. Like, you're not going to, like... If you stay here at your desk, you're not going to get those keyframes done because you're so stressed out about how you should do it. Like, it's way better for you to get the rest that you need to do good work if you're not going to solve this problem right now. Right. Um, and and glory of glories, they meet a cat. A kitty! A kitty! And, and start playing with its paws and looking at its motions and pissing it, <laughs> pissing it off. Yes, they piss off the cat because they examine his feet too much. Um, but yeah. they're like, "Where are a cat's knees?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't know." And then they like start like examining his legs. And the cat's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he had he had yeah he had just been rolled over to let them pet him, but then they started like um, carefully examining his paws and like yeah, like like exercising his his range of motion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck off! Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't remember the context of this, but I do have a screenshot. So one, like, sort of element of the show is that Miyamori has these two dolls. Yeah, yeah. Um, she has, like, a little stuffed bear, and then there's a little doll of, like, a pirate lady. Um, and they, they sort of appear to, like, vocalize her internal monologue. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the pirate, I have this picture of the pirate lady saying, the universe should disappear too. And the bear says, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their, their little banter is is yeah. the pirate lady just being like a snarky little brat. Yeah. And the bear being just this kind of wide-eyed, uh, like, yeah. doof, doofy little creature. Yeah. Because the bear sort of represents her urge to, like, do things right. And, like, the her idealism the pirate, and innocence and yeah. naivete sometimes. The pirate lady represents, like, what she wishes she could do. Her, cynic- like, her it's cynicism. It's more cynicism and realism and uh, kind of, yeah, so. Yeah, like, she'll have a situ Or, like, not even cynicism and realism. Because, like, there's, there's, a, there's a great bit in, in near the beginning of season two where they... Um, really go over like all of the stuff all of like the meetings and stuff that have to happen at the very beginning of an anime production to like spin up production at a oh, new show yeah. and she gets like super exhausted and she's like why can't we just do all of these why don't we have to do all these meetings why don't we just let everybody do whatever the hell they want <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah so I guess it's more impatience and yeah and um... like you know the, the it's the the id <laughs> Um, you know, just the desire to just like when you when you see somebody when there's a problem that could be solved by somebody else just doing something differently, like the desire to just kick their ass until they do it. Yeah, and and we kind of get the that that spiky haired dude who joins in part two is kind of uh, is kind of that like he's this. We'll get to him later. Yes, but like he's he's this dude who we who is introduced as kind of a lazy asshole, but it turns out that he like left college super idealistic and starry-eyed and then got incredibly burned out by like i got so mad at them for making me feel bad for that guy (laughs) such a piece of shit garbage so like yeah because because of how he got like he got involved in a number of productions in which kind of everyone else was cutting corners and um like failing to kind of do the job right that he kind of became impossibly apathetic uh and so yeah that's kind of um his thing at one point is he's like well if everyone else just did their job right like i wouldn't have any problems um but obviously like we live in a society buddy yeah (laughs) so uh uh, getting back to part one though episode nine uh the director decides that the ending of the show needs to be different um uh but he has no idea uh how it should be different um you know because he's been working he's been struggling for months trying to get this keyframes uh or the storyboards for the last episode done and uh he decides that the thing that he really needs is is that like the ending that that they originally planned just isn't good enough and just isn't really what they want um and so he uh, he has a meeting with uh, with their their screenwriter, um, and he uh, and they're they're talking about like what uh, what the ending should be, and is and and the screenwriter's like, so what did you want Exodus to be about? And he's like, Moe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and they're like, no, but like, did you have an idea that you were trying to communicate? And he's like, what did you think I was trying to say? <laughs> what were you trying? Like, he's like, what, did, what were you trying to say with the original ending? He's like, what did you think I was trying to say? <laughs> yeah. You know. And there's just there's this is like this is the peak of this sort of director of of of, of 
what most creative directors are, which is that like they don't have any sort of clear vision for what they're trying to say. Uh, they're just there again. Vibes. They're just regurgitating stuff that they've seen elsewhere uh, in in sort of a blender. Um, Vibes based development. Yeah. So yeah, uh, this is also so. Um, so yeah, somehow the screenwriter kind of prods him enough to um, get something get, yeah. that he's going to figure out what it was that he was he was after because they were asking about like one of the characters like you know she. Her, her character flaw is that she trusts too much and she gets betrayed. And they're talking about, like, well, why does she keep trusting even though she's been hurt in the past? And then talking about, like, re reconfiguring the ending to be more about, like, the power of continuing to trust people even after you've been hurt in the past mm -hmm. is what they wind up landing on, which somehow means... Horses. Horses. So many horses. So hundreds of horses. And a cowboy. And a cowboy, yeah, and the, the yeah, and and the cops showing up, and like so much stuff, and yeah, and it's it's very it's it's very weird because like at the very end, like Miyamori is there, and then she's like, "He's gonna draw all those horses." Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's very funny. So these like obviously like if you know anything about drawing, like horses, horses and bicycles are the things that artists hate to draw, um, classically. Quite. Every every artist hates to draw bicycles, and every artist hates to draw horses. Um, yeah, which is why the the most every, like the 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 final on every animation exam is draw a horse riding a bicycle. <laughs> um, and this is also so when yes. um, Mi Chan, the CG artist, one of our five um, musketeers, she realizes that the. Um, the CG shop she joined out of college, um, while it does have good pay and benefits, uh, she is literally going to um, do car tires for the first five years of her career. <laughs> yeah, like like it's a great cushy job with benefits and a nice salary, but all she gets to do is model car tires. And what? Yeah, and, and that's that. And she talks inch. to the boss about it, and the boss is like, "It pays the bills. <laughs> what are you gonna do? We're we're known in the industry. We have a reputation in the industry as the people you go to for cars. Yeah. You know how long it takes to build that sort of thing. Yeah, he's he's very kind of uh, upfront, being like, "We're a, a little baby studio, and like the fact that we have this much kind of reputation already is only because we hyper specialized. Uh, yeah. Which and so that's what it, it is. What it is." Yeah, so she quits after just after barely a year at uh, at the studio uh, in order to go work on something with the story. Yeah, um, and yes. and uh, uh, Honda San, the current PM, yeah. Uh, yeah. also uh, is getting ready to quit because yes, he wants, he to, wants to go be a yeah, a cake maker. Yes, um, and so and so yeah, so a lot of the first half of the show is um kind of miyamori kind of struggles to kind of figure out what she's why she's in this industry and that's sort and, of her whole arc her whole character arc is like her discovering first that she doesn't really have any goals and then trying to figure out like what it is that she wants what she wants to do yeah you know and she and, and, and like it's kind of refracted through everyone else's um yeah. like emma she, like her ambition to become like a better artist, Michan wanting to kind of 
do CG with specific, not just tires. She has a vision of doing stuff with a story. Uh, Diesel Chan wanting to be the writer, be a and, screenwriter, and yeah. so and so, uh, and Shizuka is doing her her VA stuff. And so, despite the fact that Miyamori is in a sense the most like traditionally successful of them, uh, yeah, she feels the most directionless, and so uh, that's why. Um, yeah, the primary arc is kind of her search for a purpose refracted through ever analysis. Uh, yeah. And so, um, in some cases, like in Honda Sans, like he just decides to leave the industry. That's it. Like he doesn't hate it. It's just that there is something he loves more. Yeah. And like that's perfectly fine. I mean, there's a sense in which, like, when there's something an industry you've been in for a long time or something you've been in, like leaving it feels like failure um yeah. and like as someone who dropped out of grad school like i i had that for a while um but like at least in my case looking back i'm so much happier than i was when i was in grad school and like even though for a very long time I had no sense of what I would do otherwise. Um, like yeah. re- realizing that that kind of the goal I had was less that I kind of really wanted it and more that it was it felt like the inevitable thing to do. Realizing that and letting go of it was a very good decision. Yeah, uh, in the last few episodes, they're working on the last the cuts from the last episode, and Ali starts getting the key animators to do stuff, but none of the key animators want to draw hundreds of horses for some reason. Um, and they just don't have enough manpower at the studio to do stuff. So she has to like reach out to all of these other, uh, people. Um, and yeah, she, she talks to all of these other people and she winds up, uh, at meeting, meeting with, uh, Watanabe, not not Nabe P, uh, as he is as he is known, uh, he, whose job appears to be to play mahjong and make phone calls. Yeah, so he's one of the high, like he's one of the producers, and his job is basically yeah, like having having a lot of connections. Uh, yeah, and so um, so she interrupts him during a mahjong game and is like, "Hey, do you know anybody?" And then one of the people, because they're playing because like they're already setting up. This is one thing that I liked about this show is that they're already setting up the second season at the end of the first, you know, like they're and because he's he's having a meeting with Nighthawk Publishing, who are the people who are publishing um, the, the third girls fighter wing, yeah. uh, which is the, uh, the the manga that they adapt in the second half. Um, and so he's having a meeting with these people. And by a meeting, I made a game of Mahjong. <laughs> um, and one of the other people is like, hey. You should get uh, Hideaki Anno. Hideaki Anno. Hideaki Anno is the Indian Universal clone of Hideaki Anno. Uh, Mitsuaki Kano. I'm trying to find what it was that he directed. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, Ever Train. Having uh, Ever Garden. <laughs> no, it was something. It was stupider than that. Neon Locomotive Ivan Guardian. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so and then he's joking, but Miyamori takes it one hundred percent seriously and like drives to his house. Well, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's not sh- like 
I, it's, I think it's not quite clear if if she just kind of takes him at face value. There's there's kind of a beat where, like, I think you could read it as her essentially calling his bluff. Yeah. Uh, and being like, okay, I will. And I'll use your name as my introduction. <laughs> and, yeah. And then... <laughs> son of a bitch. She, she pieces out and the guy's like, wait, is she really going? And now the is like, yep. You better. <laughs> yep, she's going. You should have known that was going to happen. And so, uh, so he calls Hideakiano and is like, a very interesting girl is going to drop by. Uh, yeah, and so he basically asks her to do the keyframes. She she asks him to do the keyframes for this bit with all the horses, and he's like, "Why are you asking me? Like, do you even?" What what animators want to hear is that nobody but you can do this, but you're just lo- like, you know, he basically calls her bluff and it's just like, you're looking for just anybody who can draw, basically. <laughs> uh, is this before or after he says, can I turn the horses into fighter jets? I think that's after <laughs> he asks that. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a completely deranged conversation where um, he asks her if how old she was when Ava first aired. Uh, she was like i was two and he's like okay um have you seen it and she says I've, no i i rented the dvds of the movies and so so yeah this is this is when we learned that miyamori has only seen the rebuilds uh he's like what a crap he's like ah this must be this is like a supposed generational gap no it's not it's just laziness <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah then he's like then he's like i admittedly if he didn't want watching only the rebuilds to be bad he should have made the rebuilds good or just not made the rebuilds yeah to be honest um but yeah he's like i realize kind of the the, the bind you're in but you really like you're just looking for someone who can who can draw these horses and he's like wait you're from uh musashi musashi and he's like you already have the perfect person for this job in cliffhanger cliffhanger and so it turns out that the old guy uh Sugie. who Sugie, uh who works next to what's her name emma emma uh who works next to emma uh Sugie, one he works in a kid's show drawing animals all day and that also he worked on uh our the favorite anime of miyamori andy's chucky yeah uh, uh and yeah and so like yeah uh hideakiano is like he's he, he, I think he did some other horse. Oh no! He, when Hideakiano is talking about his credentials, he talks about how he did this one insane, like sequence in like three days, and that he's a t- complete genius. Uh, and they did, and she didn't even realize, because um, all he, because yeah. he's just he's just kind of vibing right now. Oh, I ju- I'm looking at the screenshots of the conversation with Kano, and I, di- I just realized that he is sitting on a couch with the colors of Unit 01, and, sh- and she is sitting on a, color- on a couch with the colors of Unit 02. Oh my god, that's so good. Which is a bit, would be a very funny thing for Hideaki Auto to that own. Would be, I mean, honestly, I'm shocked. If anybody would. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am so curious what he thought of this. <laughs> <laughs> I like if he's seen it I would love to know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so obviously just Hideaki Ano like you could almost sue. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's it's a very loving portrayal of him. Like it's not it's not like they're not dunking on him. They kind of are. They're portraying him as a sort of eccentric genius, which is what he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can't, but you can't sue him for libel for saying something that's true. <laughs> Speaking of surprise appearances of Hideaki Anno, some time ago for my friend Laura's birthday, we watched the film The Taste of Tea um, by Katsuhito Ishii, which is a live a live action film, um, and it's a very it's a very strange movie. Uh, and in it, just playing a character, just like a side character in that. It, not as a cameo, but just like a whole fully fledged side character with a bunch of lines is Hideaki fucking Otto. Oh my god. Yeah, he just put, and like he cuts out with the screen, and we're all like, is that Hideaki Otto? <laughs> and then also, there's a one of the char- one of the main characters is like a housewife who works on anime in her spare time, <laughs> and she makes an anime, and they show it in the movie, and the anime, and I knew it immediately upon seeing it, and I was right when I looked it up, which is that the uh, the animation was done by Takeshi Koike. Wow. It's a it was it was incredible. Also, that movie is is very good. Uh, it's it's a it's a pure vibes performance. Nice. Um, yeah, so they ask him about and about Andy's Chucky and about and, and if he'll be willing to do the horses. And he's like, and he he like runs a workshop on how to draw horses. Um, and there's a great bit where he's like. Uh, uh, where he, where they, they ask him like how long this will take, and he gives like incredibly precise answers for like how many cuts he can do in a day and all of that stuff. And all I can think of was this bit from, uh, I think it's in the Tim the, Tim Rogers Tokineki Memorial Review. I think it's in that video where he he's like he he goes off for like a full like two minutes about how you should log your hours so that every time anybody asks you how long it takes to do something you can say it takes me this long it takes me it takes me three hours log your hours people <laughs> i've not taken his advice it's too very annoying to log your hours but log your hours people yeah i, uh, have, I have not done that so yes uh but yeah i'm in episode 12 uh so that yeah, I mean, yeah that they, is episode. They, they get the horses done. Yeah, that is episode twelve. They get the horses done, and they uh, yeah, and then they get, they get the episode done, and it succeeds, and it airs, and it's amazing, and you know, congratulations. And then, but yeah, part two opens with um, uh, them talking. They're sort of spinning up the uh, the production on this new anime on this new anime, which is uh, the manga adaptation of Third Girl's Fighter Wing, which is. It's a light novel that's been adapted into a manga or something like that. I don't know. And it's uh, and they're adapting it into an anime. And it's about pretty girls who fly fighter jets. It's the most, like, contemporary manga yeah. shit in it's, the universe. It's, yeah, it's what, just, like, like, girls front Everything line, is this. Like, con yeah. call, like... It's pretty girls and military equipment yeah. like it's 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 the most formulaic trash <laughs> um yeah what this bit reminded me of was uh hold on let me see if i can find it um was the uh the when we did the the utena episode uh-huh. we read all of those interviews with ikuhara yeah. and 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 Saito and about the bit from that uh, where they were talking about uh, right after the show finished airing and when they decided to do a movie mm-hmm. 
Um, there's God. Let me. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, so I believe this is in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> right. Yes. Where uh, they're being interviewed by uh, Hideki Mori um, in, for this this director's commentary and uh, Hideki, Hideki Mori asks, "When did the plans to do a full length movie come up?" And Ikuhara says, "I think the idea was uh, getting tossed around about doing a movie around this time." And Mori says, what kind of parallels and changes were you going to make in the full-length movie version? And Ikohara says, I wasn't thinking about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think we made an announcement in a magazine right after the TV series was over. And Saito says, I think that's what it was. And Ikohara says, I vaguely remember the day after the TV series was over, we announced we were going to be doing a movie in a magazine. And then <laughs> Saito says, yes. And then we all got together to discuss the project and none of us could come up with anything. <laughs> so we ended up eating tonkatsu and kept saying, what should we do? <laughs> <laughs> and Ikuhara says, really? And Saito says, I think that was when the car idea came up. And Ikuhara says, no, we weren't discussing anything like that at that point. And Saito says, really? The idea about the car came up fairly early. Ikuhara saw was like, heh, heh, heh. He was giggling to himself and he said, I just got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this interview so fucking much. It's so funny. Ikuhara is such a funny dude he's such a weirdo <laughs> he's such a freak and i love him so much um but yeah um but yeah that's what this because there's a scene where they're just like sitting around and like talking about ideas for what they're going to do in like a diner because they're talking to like a guy that they want to bring out as an art director they're talking about clouds and he's like what kind of clouds do you like like this guy is always thinking about clouds he's like they, they're bringing him on because he's the world expert on anime clouds <laughs> and he's like i'm always trying to draw the, I'm, I'm always visualizing the perfect cloud in my mind um, dude's cloud score is off the charts. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then they start to hire some new cast members, some new crew. Um, uh, and they, they introduce, they hire, uh, two new, uh, production assist. They hire three new production assistants, uh, two of whom are brand new and they have like a great a great sequence where they like interview all of them and like one of them is like oh i want to work in anime and they're like well what do you why do you want to work in anime and she's like well i spent a lot of my time making uh doujinshi yes. comics and she holds up like she's just like she's a fujoshi yeah, it's yeah. so funny she's just like uh she yeah she's she's just like a fanfic freak yeah, she's a complete fanfic freak. And then there's a, the other girl that they hire. She says in the interview that literally the only reason why she's doing this is that it takes her like three hours to commute to work right now. And that this company's building is very close to where she lives. <laughs> and they hire her. <laughs> they, they, they gotta balance out the extremes. Uh. Um, and then they hire a third guy. What is his name? Uh, Daisuke Hiroka. Uh, Hiroka Daisuke, and he, um, yeah, he's he's, he, a, he's an he's, asshole. He's the cynical asshole. Yeah, he's a, he's very cynical. He never shows up to work on time. He never shows up in the morning meetings, and he doesn't really give a shit about anything. And he takes uh, Miyamori trying to like tell him what to do. Like he's 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 very much a very specific kind of person. In that one, like we later learn that he's he's very burnt out by his experiences in the industry. He doesn't. He's lost a lot of his idealism. He's learned that being idealistic will only get him hurt. But he's also like this sort of dude. Like there's a bit later where he says to uh, Diesel-san uh, that 
like she because she starts at like an not a, an apprenticeship in accepting name only right so yeah um, so she's called diesel son because in part one they were trying to get some reference material for uh diesel engines diesel train diesel trains in japan and do diesel trains still run on this specific line and mia mia more happened to mention it when they were meeting and she was like "Ooh, ooh, ooh, uh let me research it for you and so she kind of just did this pro bono um but the the production staff were, were very impressed with her work and so um when they were researching fighter jets for the for part two's uh anime uh like miyamori i don't know if she she brought it up again i forget if she, if I, I forget if she actually if she initiated it or if it just kind of came up in passing but uh girls like I think it comes up in passing girls like ooh, 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 let me help out again um and this yeah so this time um she's actually introduced to the director and the producer and they they call her diesel son because they only knew of her through that uh that that research that that she had done um but they're very impressed with her and so they just actually hire her on the spot yeah she does like scenario editing Uh, um which basically means that she does all of the research to make sure that they get stuff right or at the very least knowingly get stuff wrong in such a way that it's obvious they're using artistic license um yeah um yeah and so she like starts talking to their main like the studio's like main screenwriter that they contract with and like wants him to take her on as an apprentice and he's like i don't take apprentices but then starts giving her assignments anyway um like having her write like 20 scenarios involving coffee beans uh or whatever yeah. and like she she they have her write 20 scenarios involving coffee and she's like the first one she comes up with is like tiny invisible worms that live in coffee and grow in your guts that's, uh, yeah that's true actually it's real um uh, it's like toxoplasmosis mm-hmm. um and she yeah she um and then uh hiroka is like uh you know i must be so nice he's like a fucking mra he's like so fucking red pills he's like oh it must be nice to be a girl you get everything handed to you you know you you, you can you don't have to say anything it's some old farts we'll do whatever you want right. um you know right. and it really fucks with her it's because it's a mean insane thing to say yeah um and like saying that shit should get you fired right. immediately like he absolutely should have been fired a four thousand. He had been fired the second time he didn't show up to his morning meeting um, <laughs> without an explanation. Like what a piece of garbage that this guy is. And like that's one of the most realistic things is that like people with experience can get away with so much and doing so much wrong, uh, you know, and they'll just they're they're able to just sort of coast along like we also see this with taro like he survives the production of exodus and then like he's the head of the pa team despite being the least competent person on the pa team <laughs> yeah you know just because he's been there the longest and the oh, the actual most competent pa got promoted to production manager um and then and then know, he, uh yeah for for a good chunk of part two uh yano uh erica is yeah. out because her father is sick uh, yeah and so uh, which is a shame because she's great. Yeah, yeah. Which is part of the reason why uh, Miyamori is made PM is because yeah, since Honda has left and um, Yano is out, she's really the only option left. Yeah, she's the only competent person on the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, and then, um, but yeah, like he's he's very much at this stage uh, the sort of person who because it, it's impossible, it's very difficult to talk about this sort of stuff without falling into like sort of meritocratic bullshit. Where like he is the sort of person who has stopped working hard at anything. He stopped working towards his goals, and he sees anybody else who's still working towards their goals as being handed shit because he doesn't see he sees and anytime they do anything to work gets dismissed as like being pointlessly idealistic and when their hard work pays off for them it's oh you're just being handed shit because you're because you're a girl you know or whatever like he you know and like obviously working hard has very little to do with whether or not you'll be you'll be promoted or you'll you'll achieve your goals you know you have to be very lucky which like uh, you, you know uh daisuke is very lucky to still have a job <laughs> considering he's such a piece yeah. of shit and like like Dizel-san is lucky that like she like she's yeah she's in the right place at the right time yeah. to be able to get this stuff from this but person. she's also but she's also a very hard worker yeah she's working really really hard like the the if if she had been as much of a piece of shit as Daisuke is, like nobody would have given her the ten days. She wouldn't even have the job that she yeah. has, you know. And because people are way fucking less tolerant of that shit from girls, mm-hmm. um, you know, like it it is so much less acceptable for a a a woman to act like like Kiroka does, um, you know. But he gets away with it because he's got years of experience being a professional shitbag. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's what happens in episode 14. Um, and then 14, we also get, uh, the voice actor meeting. Um, because, mm. yeah, so, um, Shizuka, our VA girl, um, has, is one of the, um, actresses auditioning for this show. Yes, yeah, so they yeah, so they have a bunch of auditions and they get a ton of, of people, including Shizuka. Um, and then they have the worst meeting in the oh world about God. who to hire as a voice actor, and it's so it's realistic. So it hurts. It's so like they they like everybody votes on who they liked best. And then they go and they look at every, and it turns out that all the people who work at the studio voted for the same person. And then these three random weirdos who are also there. These, these uh, kind of, yes, yeah, stakeholders, I guess you could call all them. Have, all have their own, like, bugbears where, like, one of them is really into, is, like, keeps insisting that you should hire only the most popular voice actresses, no I, matter yeah, if they're a fit for the part. I think he's the ad guy. Uh, yeah and then one of them keeps insisting that they need to be able to sing because he works for a record company yeah and then one of them keeps insisting that they need to have great tits despite the fact that it's anime yeah i i I have no idea like i don't know why he's here (laughs) yeah so like the second guy is presumably representing the company that producing the like the soundtrack or whatever that they're gonna sell to an ost um but yeah the third guy is like I'm, he's constantly yeah. talking about how they can do live events and stuff but it's like yeah is that is that a thing that you do for it is a thing for, for like for any arbitrary anime it yeah like it's not necessarily a thing that you would do for any anime and also like it's there's a lot of ways to do a live show that don't involve 
having a voice actress who's a former gravure idol. <laughs> but yeah, like he yeah, he's constantly trying to get like just the hottest person. Uh yeah, look at her ass. She's such obviously such a good fit for this role. And it's like you can't see her ass when she's in the anime. <laughs> we can draw her a better ass. That's how anime works. <laughs> But yeah, so it goes on for like into like the whole day, the late into late the night. night, just like with e- and each time they have to cast a new character, these guys just like pull out more shit where they're like, or they're like, oh, I have this new person who you should definitely hire that I definitely don't have some pre-existing stake in. <laughs> um, uh and, then, uh, and so somehow yeah fortunately they managed to kind of like hire the right people yeah. but yeah and um unfortunately shizuka is not one of the, yeah they almost they consider her briefly yeah like for the role of Catherine. they did but they do not go uh, like they they were impressed um she did a lot better in this audition than her first one but yeah not quite there yeah um, and yeah, and, there, and there's in in I don't remember if it's in this next episode or if, or if it's soon, but like there's there's they where all of like the anime club meet up and they and they talk about it and like she's like oh I I totally I thought I did really well at this audition but I didn't get a call back and they were like oh what show was oh. it for and she was like oh is this one called Third Girls Fighter Ring and they were all like that's the show we're all working yeah on. Sorry. because yeah because <laughs> uh, Michan uh, her CG her new CG studio. Uh, got contracted to do some of the CG. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, um, yeah, a running thing is because at the very beginning, they're like, they're a little there. High school, high school uh, anime club. They're like, let's all get in the industry and make the anime together. It's a very, like, cute, fun um, dream. But, like, then it, like, it actually almost happens and they realize that it's all four of them and not Shizuka. It's very sad. Ah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And so also during this is like that stuff that I was talking about earlier of like they, because they have these new PAs, they get to like really explain and go in depth into like all of these meetings and like all of this stuff that goes into spinning up production on a new anime. Right. Which is really interesting because like it's, you know, I, I know some of that stuff just because I know what it takes to spin up production on a new project generally and in any industry and like, I just know what anime is made of. So, like, obviously you have to have meetings about all of this stuff, but, like, it, it is just, like, it's really interesting to, like, learn exactly how it's broken up and what all this stuff is called. Um, yeah, and then we learn that um, also, uh, what's her name, gets promoted to character designer. Um, mm, Iguchi. Iguchi, so, yeah. yes. Iguchi get uh, you see, yeah, so they, they want to have... She's with Turf uh, Bangs. Yes. <laughs> Oh, poor baby. I know. She, she uh, seems like a sweetheart. She seems like a sweetheart. Uh, but yeah, they wanted... I, I'm pretty sure they, they wanted golf baseball Lolisama to ha- do the character designs. And I forget... Oh, she yeah. refused because she wanted to work on animation. Because doing the stuff with the horses in the last episode and stuff, she realized just how much she had to grow as an animator. Yeah. And she wanted to go back to being a keyframe. Kind of return to her roots um, and really kind of... Uh, yeah. Focus on motion. And so they get Iguchi to do it on her recommendation. Um, and so she does all of these character designs and then we run and everything's going really smoothly and they're starting work, uh, uh, you know, starting to spin up production and then they get 
these insanely vague messages from uh, Nogane, who is the original like mangaka who drew the source material, just basically saying, "Oh, this, these won't do at all. They they lack the cuteness." The, yeah, the, the, her character uh, designs. Uh, yeah, her character designs, and then they're like, they call back his editor like his representative and and are like hey can we get some more detail about like what exactly he didn't like it it's like no i'm not gonna bother the the author about it their editor is a huge huge piece God, of shit yeah. with a very uh very specific speaking He's style like the smarmiest motherfucker yeah and you just get the sense from the very beginning that he is not he has nobody's best interest in mind like he is just purely in it for himself he's just like a very like slimy piece of garbage He's just there to like climb the ladder um, and get in between and act taking advantage of his position as the middleman between the studio and the mangaka. Yeah. um, In order to just like control the situation. And so he like, he never shows up, he shows up to meetings late and then he leaves early and he, he like hangs up on people and he's just like absurdly rude. He just blithely says, Oh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, Yeah. Because they were showing him, like, hey, can you ask the author if these character designs are good? And he's like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then, like, you know, suddenly, surprise, it's not fine. You know, and, like, this sort of stuff in... I'm sure it's common in anime. If you're in video games, if you're working with an established IP of any kind, uh, you know, like, it's it's going to be like that. You know, like, that's, that's how it is. Uh, you know, people... Because you're communicating, especially if you're communicating with a large company, and you don't get to communicate directly with the people who made the thing that you're working on. You know, especially, like, in video games, what happens often is you're working on, and, like, with some sort of property that's, like, very old. And so maybe, like, you're making a new, you know, game with Mario characters in it, or with Sonic characters in it, or whatever. And, like, you know, none of the people who made that shit are at Nintendo or Sega anymore. Yeah. So you don't get to ask them. So you're just communicating entirely through like legal and like brand managers, all of whom have wildly different opinions about how the character should be used. Um, and it's it's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So and then she she keeps redrawing the characters um, while like the, this work has to like completely halt. They started working on like the first three episodes of the show, and work has to completely halt for like ten days while. She keeps drawing new versions of the characters. You try to make them closer to the originals, and they keep getting... And, like, the feedback that they get keeps getting worse. And then eventually, uh, goth baseball Lolisama, like, has a meeting with the direction and production staff and is like, you are not doing a good enough job of figuring out what it is that that the, the author and wants. Like, you need to support Iguchi. Yeah. Better. And so, uh, her way of doing that is uh taking a gucci uh miyamori and uh who's is it emma Uh, out to the batting cages yes they all go do baseball which is how we find out that she's amazing at baseball and yeah so that's that's she she yeah like iguchi took emma out to the park to walk around and find kitties um instead of not getting her work done uh goth lolis uh sama takes them out to get get thrashed at at baseball (laughs) yeah because she because she she has this great they have this great conversation where um 
she's like you're not supporting her enough and she and 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 then the director's like oh we could take her out drinking it is like that is not work yeah not everybody finds drinking to be a form of stress relief yeah she she tears she tears him apart it's excellent yeah um um yeah and then uh but yeah they they kind of they kind of clear their heads and talk through the designs a bit more yeah, and then, and yeah, and she looks at 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 the at the tiny bits of feedback that they have gotten, and, and was like, "It's entirely possible that his idea of cute doesn't involve childishness or girlishness, and that maybe there needs to be an element of cool with the cute <laughs> to make him happy, and that's what he thinks." Cute yeah, is. they're reading. They're really reading tea leaves here. Uh, oh yeah, but and it turns out that's that's just what they needed, and uh, and then those designs will. Yeah. So they finally get some and like look here's here's the thing if you're in a situation if you're in a situation like nogame is or in any situation where somebody has provided you with work that is not to your standards please be as specific as please. possible i want like at least a page on what's wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> like do not make people read tea leaves in order to discern your intentions to be yeah to be fair we 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 learn down the line that uh, yes, Nogame has not exact. They have not exactly been getting information that was one hundred percent unfiltered. Yeah. So um, yeah, we later learn that uh, Nogame has no idea that the production team repeatedly requested to meet in person. So yeah, from his perspective, it may well have looked like. Uh, they didn't care about his input, and so um, he may have yeah, he, just gets he may have been yeah unnecessarily combative in response because we also learned that his first the first project of his that was adapted was adapted with no kind of collaboration and was a complete butchering of the source material yeah. and uh, so he is understandably wary wary of, of yeah of uh it turns out that maybe the reason why was because his editor sucks ass uh, yeah that's that's the moral of this story the moral of the story is if your editor sucks ass find a new editor <laughs> my my favorite zen part, <laughs> if you if you meet an editor on the road kill him. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true editors are very editors important. are very important Editors are extre- editor, as somebody as people who regularly complain on these shows about how things are too long or there's a bunch of stuff that needed to be cut out and somebody needed to come in and figure out what was actually important in the story. Uh, editors are very yeah, it, it was just I mean, in, in, it, it just shows that when you're a bad editor, how much of a negative impact you can have. Yeah. How much damage yeah. you can do. A bad editor can do so much damage. Uh by not because they are very important yeah um so yeah uh what happens next we were just talking about so the our character design got approved oh yeah we also learned that the the reason why goth lily sama oh yeah uh dresses the way that she does which is that she used to dress in t-shirts and jeans but she was doing character design for a show that kept getting bad i think it was like a mobile game or something yeah, they were getting a, they were adapting a video game, and they kept telling her just nonsense about yeah. it. 
uh, just giving her completely nonsense feedback and then eventually just deciding that her original character designs were for the best. And then she started dressing like this because that was the way that the character in that game dressed and it became like armor that she could put on to protect herself from all the feedback. Yeah, uh, it, be- it became her thing and uh, now she's got Lily-sama. Uh, oh yeah, then and then Iguchi uh, does the same thing in cosplays as one of the um, yeah. one of the fighter jet characters, just for a day though, to to kind of power her up for the. Uh... Uh, then we're we're focusing on um, uh, Marukawa, who's like the president of the studio. Takes oh yeah, his his whole uh, job now is just cooking bananas amounts of food for everyone yeah he cooks meals and he and dispenses wisdom <laughs> otherwise known as living the dream. oh yeah um yeah and he he goes to the old uh musashi studio um which is like the musashino pictures which is like the the studio that predated musashi animation yeah um where he worked when he was just starting out as a producer. Um, and they, they, we get some flashbacks about like the, the production of Andy's Chucky because, uh, Aoi asks like, you know, is anybody making good anime these <laughs> days? And unfortunately I have to break it to you. The answer is no. Um, I mean, this show is, is very good. Uh, and it's not from that long ago. And when the show was made, it was from not, and it made yet. <laughs> you you have a way with words. <laughs> um but yeah, and then uh so yeah, and, and and they talk they look at like, you know, how crazy all of the problems that they had during the production there were, and there's this scene where it turns out that uh what's his name? Uh Mar- Marikawa um like went oh, went under the table and got a a newbie uh background artist to draw you know this new background for this blizzard scene that that he wasn't satisfied with and then they look at the new background and they're like crap this is so good we have to use it <laughs> fuck <laughs> yes he's, uh, yeah, he's a rogue pm in in his yeah. in his 70s days yeah um you know, and so they, so like, it's this sort of like connection across time that like, you know, people in the past struggled in making anime just like people yeah, in the present like, do, you know. And um, like, Mia Mori has like, this. It's always been like yeah, this. Yeah, she has this kind of idealized view of, of the past. And so they have this. And of specifically Andy. Shizuki. Yeah. And so the little, the little flashback about how it's, it's yeah. if anything, more chaotic than their current yeah. production. And that's an important thing, I think, that a lot of people who get into creative work have to realize, is that, like, the people who made the stuff that you really admire aren't actually any different from you. Like, they're, they're not geniuses. They're not, like, amazing or anything like that. Like, they were struggling just like you did, and that means that you are also capable of making great things just mm-hmm. like them. Um, you know, so it's, it's a cool episode. Um... And then they go to, in in the present today, Okura, the amateur background editor who drew the new Blizzard background, uh, he, uh, they, they had contracted him, basically they'd gone to him while he was drunk in a fried chicken place. <laughs> um, and 
got convinced him to take on this job while he was hammered and then he wakes up and he's like i'm not doing the job and then they give him some pastries made by uh murakawa fucking murakawa Marikawa, and he's like and he's like why did you he, he like takes a bite and then he's like who made these and like Marikawa. Marikawa. And it was just like, fuck, why didn't you tell me that beforehand? Now I have to take the job. Uh, just like the the strange, like, honor economy of old Japanese men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Miyamori's like, oh, he, he also told me to tell you he looks forward to working with you again. And the guy's like, fuck, I can't let my down guard oh, down for a second. I hate it. <laughs> fine i'll do it but you can't change any of my work uh and then he, then after they go visit the old studio they come back and he's drawn this amazing background for the scene they needed him yeah. for um you know and um so yeah they're trying to figure out how to end the show because they're running into a problem that many anime run into when they're adapting from manga which is that the manga becomes very popular and anime adaptation gets ordered while the manga is still popular but the manga's not finished so they don't know how to end the series um and because you know like they can't wait and they can't and they keep asking the editor like hey does he have any ideas for the ending of the show and the editor of course is like nope figure it out yourself and so they write this ending of the show um where because like basically there's this one of the characters in the show audia has to like figure out like decides to stop flying her plane um and they need to figure out whether she's going to keep whether she's going to like quit for good and do something else and that's going to be the ending or if she's going to find a way to keep flying um and they write this ending where she she you know is it, it like feels her responsibility to her teammates and decides to keep flying to support them um and then and they're working on these endings and on, on this ending and then eventually like the editor gets back with feedback from nogame about the ending and he's like this is completely unacceptable you have to redo it Right, so they, they this is right after they finished dubbing the last episode too. Yeah, like yeah, so like they were almost all the way done with this with the show. They had the celebration about with with the voice actors. They were just basically done. It was the home stretch, and then they were like, "You need to do it all over again." Uh, yeah, and then uh, this is where uh, basically they realize that CC'd on the email or like. From they could because the the feedback that they got was forwarded from Nogame. They have Nogame's email, <laughs> and so they sent him an email being like, "Hey, can we meet up?" And he's like, "Sure, meet me on the thirty fifth floor of Nighthawk Publishing headquarters tomorrow." And they're like, "All right, we are, we're in." We're in, and so then they go there, and like there are a bunch of people trying to stop them from from getting to the top of the building, and like the best part is that the director, like uh, he's he's like leaving, and then uh, Marukawa like is like take this the, your your battle uniform and hands it a small box, and then it cuts to him like getting out of the car as as Aoi has driven him to the building, and he gets out, he's in like just like a cowboy duster and a cowboy hat and like a bandana around his neck for some reason and boots yes cowboy boots um yeah and he and he like battles his way to the top against the forces arrayed against him (laughs) uh you know to stop him from talking to the mangaka and he eventually walks into the room 
and he's like, oh, I've been trying to get Eddie. He's like, oh, I wish, I'm glad we, we've met, you know, we yeah, haven't. They, well, they, yeah, and, they start talking through it and realize they, they both kind of, like, uh, kind of are united in kind of the, the their the, their understanding and vision for the story. And so um, they, they kind of collaboratively brainstorm a, like, a temporary ending for the, the anime. Um, and... Uh, they're both they're both happy they're like this the um this is great this is good i wish we'd we should done this earlier and yeah the director is like well we tried to get a hold of you but um yeah your editor wouldn't wouldn't schedule a meeting and he's like what and yeah so then then the editor busts in and he's like you fucker um and then the the author is like no you fucker uh, there is nothing funny about this. Yeah, yeah. The way they the, he has some little like vocal tick, which they which they localize as funny thing. Uh, yeah, as, as starting all of his sentences. Yeah, I give. He talks so fast that I couldn't hear what it was. Uh, and then yeah, the author is uh, like, "There's nothing funny about this thing," and then fires him, and justice yeah. is restored. Uh. Uh, oh yeah, and so yeah, so their 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 collaborative ending to the anime is that, um, like, if Arya is going to decide to to uh, do war crimes again, uh, she needs kind of a more concrete reason than her responsibility to her teammates because, um, the way the director had originally interpreted it was that as a metaphor for kind of like, um, a collaborative like enterprise much that anime production is and the author was like no it's more about kind of personal psychological growth and so um her kind of just like taking one for the team doesn't really quite match that so what they settle on is that um one of the one of her co-pilots uh dies right before the end and so um they decide well her um like her her little sister uh aria the lead should meet the little sister and kind of um out of kind of her debt to the older sister and her kind of desire to make this little um country girl not get murdered um she's gonna continue to uh, fly her fly her plane and so they need to cast they need to cast this little sister and guess who they had nearly very nearly cast as the older sister but rejected her for being too young shizuka and so uh miyamori is in the dubbing and um for the redubbing of the of the ending and then shizuka comes in and He's like, oh my god! And she starts starts crying crying. as they voice act over a very bizarre scene where an extremely like over-designed anime girl feeds, like bottle feeds a cow. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's very strange. They have a whole they have a whole field like some of the like the animators have a whole field trip to like study cows. Yeah, to study cows. Yeah, and they're just like it's like. I, looking at this like big titty anime lady feeding a cow, and I was just like, "This is something." 
<laughs> this is someone someone's getting a lot of personal edification from but this. yeah so they yeah but then, then me and Mari realized that they, they they actually managed to uh all together work on an anime and it's very cute and she starts crying yeah um yeah and then the, la- the sort of last hurdle was that they have to i don't i didn't i don't know why this is necessary but they need to physically drive videotapes to all of the tv stations that are going to be broadcasting the show right and so there's this insane it's, like it's final an, it's an amazing act. finale of, of it just turns yeah. into like a like a chase sequence yeah, yeah. and they're, they're like going by like train and boat and plane and car and bicycle to like drop these tapes off places uh yeah and so and this is yeah this is where the uh the general manager lady returns uh she has like she like yeah they they hint that she has like um a a, a glamorous past of being like a like a high-powered um like production manager but now she's just is like the general manager of the office and if, and occasionally one of the old guard is like oh, you can never return to active duty uh, <laughs> and so yeah part of her her repertoire is being an insane driver yeah so she she's driving to like i thought she was driving to like i forget where it was that she's driving but she drives there like over the seven speed kilometers limit, and then she gets, over the speed limit and then she, <laughs> she and and she is chased by one car well by one police car per kilometer per hour she is going over the limit yeah <laughs> yeah she gets chased by like a dozen cop cars and they and like she goes into the tv station and hands it over and then she goes out the cops are all like pointing guns at her and then she like holds up her thing and she's like i work in animation production <laughs> and the cop is like ah oh, it's been a long time uh uh since you've graced our roads yeah or whatever. speed queen of the uh, of the of Japan or something <laughs> yeah um, but yeah and there's there's more stuff there's so much in this show that that like is difficult to cover I took so many screenshots how many screenshots I took 2613 oh, screenshots holy shit uh, it was so hard for me to not screenshot like every line of dialogue because the show is so well written like the writing really, really carries it. The dialogue is so good. The characters are really funny, really likable, or intentionally unlikable. Yeah. Like they're all very well crafted, and like the the plot, it's it's just a, just a very enjoyable yeah, show. It is. It's a great um, time. One thing that I, I we did skip over is like the full extent of uh, Hiroka's like redemption arc, right. where he gets into that huge fight oh. with one of the uh, episode yeah. directors um where he like like they're like they get like they one of the like throws a pegboard at him. Uh, <laughs> right. uh you know so- and like and and basically like i'm trying to find it let me let me see if i can find the screenshots because the thing that that he says is really really good and it, it felt so great to like give him for somebody to finally give him what for <laughs> uh let's see if i can find it so yeah part of the way we get his backstory is that um 
<clears throat> Erica, um, Yano yeah. is like a former classmate of his. And so she, um, yeah. she, she reveals his tragic, grumpy backstory. It's after the voice actor meeting. It's after the character design debacle. This is what happens when you take 2,000 screenshots. Yeah, because uh, Hiroka says, like, oh, I'm not here for you to take your stress out on. Um, and like, you know, Madoka-san, you know you're making more work for yourself. I asked for retakes and everything, right? They're going to quit on us if they read that, you know? And like, and then uh, Madoka like criticizes him for like, because he was like, these are all, all of these keyframes are from the animators that you introduced, like you were the fucking king of the office and they all do shitty work. They're all completely useless. Every last one, they just scribble, scribble something and call, call it a day. And uh, Hiroka's like, then you find someone better. Um, and Madoka's like, how about you do your goddamn job? You can't do anything, can you? Why are you even working here? You always lurk around looking bored and slack around and do sloppy work. You proudly claim you've done this and that, but if you think you'll get anywhere with that attitude, you're sadly mistaken. Um, and then uh, Hiroka's like, quit acting like you're my boss or something. We're the same age. Um, and then Madoka's like, that's not relevant. At this rate, it'd be better to have Ta- Taro draw these. And then Taro's like, did you call? <laughs> did you, were you rang? And it's like, no, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> we did not uh but yeah and then uh madukawa uh calls hiroka into like the the staff break room and like makes him tea and is like you know when i was young spat when i was young spats like that were everyday occurrences it's unusual you say so uh, you know, but he and then like he takes a sip of the tea and then as he's sipping, he says, oh, he, but he, he he nailed you to the wall, didn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't have cared if he said something totally off the mark, um, you know, and, and basically like like very gently is like he had a fu- he had a fucking point. And that's the reason that you got mad. Now, either adjust your behavior or we all know that that fight was your fault. Adjust your behavior or quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, but yeah, this show, this show's really, really, really good. Uh, but let's quantify exactly how good. Oh, it is. baby! All right, first walking around. There's a hell of a lot of walking, driving, biking. There's a lot of going <laughs> in this show. There sure is. Yeah, at, at, uh, at least a four, probably a five. Yeah, I'll give it a five. Uh, fellowship. Five five out of like five if, like it, yeah it is all about that is the core of this show absolutely yeah deliciousness there's a fair bit of food there's a fair bit of food and it all looks yeah. pretty tasty a lot of it yeah, is Mark, good a lot of it's good president, food. there's a lot the of his, a lot of yeah, his whole deal is get cooking way too much food i would give this maybe a three mm-hmm. or four yeah uh, at least a... uh what do you feel uh well, it's, yeah, it's not every episode. It's not like... Yeah, it's that food focus, so maybe a yeah. three. Uh, transcendence. This show, it doesn't transcend anything. It is very, very yeah. good. But I would not say that there's any bit in it that transcends anything. And I think that that's kind of part of what's good about it, is that it's not, unlike Ezoken, it's a lot more grounded, and it's a lot less interested in like abstract goals or like ideation or anything like that and it's a lot more interested in like the nitty-gritty of getting stuff yeah. done um you know so maybe a one <laughs> all right uh, you know i would give it some points because it does i think it does transcend its art style a little yeah. bit 
um, you know, like it's it's a show that it looks very functional and stuff like that, but it really punches above its weight in terms of its writing and its characterization. That in a way that makes me a person who is very focused on visuals and animation mostly forget that the show looks as mediocre as it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, goofing, this show goose is for, very yeah, the show has goose for days. Goose, goose for days. It is a very I would very say four. Uh, yeah, four like it's five. not a pure comedy. Uh, it's not. Yeah. It's not like. It's not the Father John Misty record. <laughs> it's not like um, Azumanga Daya levels of goofing. Yeah. Uh, but. But it is yeah. very funny. Uh, amelioration. There's a lot of amelioration in this. Yeah. Show. Like there's all these sort of like little micro was, problems. Yeah, that I was going to say that then at the end of each season. It's like, not. Yeah. It's it. It. There are no. It's no like great, like like humongous kind of like like things that are that like ends in and ends in some sort of resolution it's yeah it's 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 just a constant um overcoming of these minor hurdles and solving problems and keeping keeping people together uh yeah uh and that is sort of a classic background level of amelioration. I might say a three yeah, or four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either, yeah, either works for me. Like, yeah, when I think amelioration, I think much kind of bigger. Like, uh, I off like more in terms of like perfect blue of like her kind of reconciling kind of a fundamental like psychological like problem yeah. I, i'm leaning towards four because it really does feel like such a yeah core but yeah there are the kinds of amelioration and this this one has has those in spades yeah because like a, a question that the show starts to explore especially near the end there's like a whole episode dedicated to this is like why do you make anime when it's so miserable <laughs> yeah you know and like like it it does really grapple with that i think like it, it doesn't shy away from the miseries inherent in production and like how stressful it can be but it, it it is an attempt at some sort of answer of like why people would do it anyway yeah um coitus uh not applicable yeah. thank goodness um <laughs> uh. uh, yeah um uh, unfortunately all of the horniness is contained in the show within a show <laughs> and does not leak out into the main show yeah uh yeah and there was yeah something i was thinking about at one point like uh kind of when i when i when i was watching like one of i think the last the most recent pa works thing i've seen was quite disappointing it was Irodori, I think, and that's when I developed my theory that um, the more romance involved in a PA Works production, the worse it is, uh, <laughs> because it, yeah, it, be, it becomes very tropey and, and heterosexual, uh, and so yeah, so this is for the best. Yeah, uh, enthrallment. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good time, like. It's a good time. Yeah, I would maybe I would probably give it a three. I, I feel like it's around delicious. Like it's it, it's enthralling enough, but it's not like enthralling. Yeah, it's it's, you know? it's not like, like it doesn't have the kind of it doesn't have the kind of the emotional intensity that um, yeah. some shows have. But it, like it's very solid, and it, it, and it, yeah, like at no point did I did I get bored or want to stop watching. 
Yeah, it's never boring, and it's you know it's good at like keeping the plot momentum up. So yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your wild? What's oh, my wild card? Shit. Um. <laughs> uh. I'm gonna do <laughs> kilometers per hour over the speed limit. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> go for introspection and it's going to be a five out of five nice uh yeah this show is really really phenomenal i i did not expect to like it as much as i did i didn't expect to hate it or anything like that but i did not expect to like it as much as i did and it is really 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 oh bad uh, so alex do you have a book i suppose i do i had a bit of trouble finding one that kind of reminded me of this show so i mostly failed um but i did i was thinking about how the show has its little shows in a show how we get we get um versions of the exodus and the third wing and andy's chucky uh andy's chucky was kind of the most interesting one because it was yeah it was deliberately replicating um a very old style of animation and so yeah, that that kind of reminded me of this book I read, I think last year, uh, called His Bloody Project, Documents Relating to the Case of Roderick McRae, uh, which is like uh, sort of like a meta fiction um, that is like uh, a fictional historical documents relating to a fictional murder um, in the 1800s. Uh, so it's written as if it was the kind of the journals of this convicted murderer. Uh, and so it, it bookends this narrative with, um, with the, uh, with the other fake historical documents surrounding the murder, like witness testimony and a newspaper accounts of the crime and trial. Uh, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's similar in some ways to Possession, which I recommended after the Carol and Tuesday uh, episode, in that it is kind of an exploration of kind of how history is produced and interpreted. Um, it's not as ambitious, um, and it's probably not as good, although it doesn't have the weird homophobia that I mentioned <laughs> in Possession. Um, but it's interesting and it's um like i i still think about it every now and then um it's yeah so it's it's um a lot of murder a lot of um scottish misery who doesn't love murder so who doesn't love scottish misery if, if that's your thing yeah this is uh, uh his bloody project by uh graham mccray burnett uh all right i am going to recommend uh, a book that is is more relevant than I actually thought it was, um, which is just the book that I most recently finished, which is The Art of Fielding by Chad Harbach. Um, so this is a book about baseball. Uh, it's a book about college baseball, which is even more boring than regular <laughs> baseball. Um, so yeah, it's about a guy uh, named... He the names in this book are out of control. The protagonist's name is Henry Scrimshander. Oh, that sounds uh, familiar. And he, uh, yeah, he plays 
he's from South Dakota and he's good at baseball and he gets uh, basically recruited on an athletic scholarship to a uh, fictional uh, like small liberal arts college in Wisconsin called Westish College and it is about his time in college playing baseball. It's a game. It, <laughs> a game. It is a book. <laughs> it's a book that uh, plot-wise, it, it's very sort of like it's 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 sort of very it's very much a building's roman kind of thing where it's much very much more a string of vignettes than it is a plot. Um, like there is a core plot. So like Henry, basically the, the sort of inciting incident, which happens quite a ways into the book. The book's it's a pretty long book. It's like five hundred fifty pages, something like that. Um, and like a, a decent chunk of the way into the book, basically Henry uh, is making a extremely routine throw and acts and like the wind accidentally knocks it out of his glove early he winds up throwing it full force into his friend's head in the dugout um and he winds up in the hospital um and that sort of incident like sort of spirals out into like a, a bunch of other stuff it really affects his confidence it like affects and and it affects like the relationships of a bunch of other people and like the the book is really it focuses on a, a very large cast of characters um, who are all trying to do something together as a team, and who who have it. it is, there's there's more parallels than I, I guess I anticipated because like the, the Westish College Harpooners, <laughs> the name of the team, they are very bad at baseball. <laughs> but this season, they finally put together a team that can kind of win, and this is like their their sort of best. Uh, and, and so, like, they finally have a chance to, like, make a name for themselves in the college baseball scene, but, like, they're sort of spiraling out of control, and there's a bunch of stuff that, that sort of happens, and, like, but it deals with a lot of different issues with, between all of the different characters and stuff like that. It, it's, a, it's a very, very good book. Um, you know, it has a very sort of particular style uh, that may or may not be to one's liking. I personally liked the, liked the way that it's written. Um, yeah, uh, it is a it is a good uh, sort of very very sort of slow paced and, and introspective read. Uh, so that is the art of fielding by Chad Harbach. Okay, so next month uh, it's our it's our summer vacation. Except neither of us are in school, so we're not actually <laughs> on vacation. Uh, it's our but it, as is tradition, we will be watching a, a longer show, and this. Uh, this summer, we will be watching Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, uh, which was directed by uh, Kenji Kamiyama and produced by Production IG. Um, so we Ghost in the Shell was the second thing we ever watched uh, for this podcast. And I'm still... I don't think that episode is our worst episode, but I, I, I'm unhappy with it because my opinion on Ghost in the Shell has changed substantially since... Uh, we recorded that episode. Namely, I liked it a lot more. <laughs> um, I, w- I was sort of co- I was sort of cool on it when we watched it for the podcast, but I I, I really warmed up on Ghost in the Shell over time. I've really come to really enjoy it. Um, so I'm interested in this. We also have we have we have we have uh, some friends who are very into Real Ghost, Ghost in the heads, Shell, if you will. Real Ghost heads. Yeah, and like Ghost in the Shell, Santa Complex. Yeah, it's it's a big famous anime and i would love to to chew into it so yeah we are going to be watching that um so we'll be watching the first season first gig 
uh, next month, and then we'll be watching second gig uh, the following month. So it'll be about 26 episodes per month. Uh, so yeah, that's Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Uh, Alex, where can people find online. you on the internet? I'm on Twitter. Uh, done, done, done. I am also Mastodon. Catalina at selfie.army. Selfie with a Y. I stream sometimes on trash.cloud. How about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at profit underscore goddess. You can find me on Mastodon at profit underscore goddess at skeleton.cool. Uh, you can find my video games at profitgoddess.itch.io. I also stream at trash.cloud. I blog at blood.church. You can find the show on Twitter at animatesjerks. You can find the show on Mastodon at animatesforjerks at skeleton.cool. You can find uh, the show on the email network, the, de- the decentralized network by which people send each other emails at animatesforjerks at gmail.com. Please send us emails, questions, comments about this, what we watched this month, what we're watching next month, what we've watched in the past, anything we've said, any questions, comments, send us your emails, uh, and also tell a friend about the podcast if you want to, if you want to share the podcast. Did we get uh, any? If you think somebody uh, would enjoy it, did we get any emails know. this month? We did not get any Tragic. emails this month. Uh, it's most, and our, our spam inbox is, is not oh. interesting. Good, good, <laughs> never mind. Uh, I, <laughs> This may be one that begins, greetings, good day to you. I know this means that communication may not be morally right to you as a person, but I also have had a great thought about it, and I have come to this conclusion. <laughs> Fantastic. What conclusion did they come to? Uh, they would like to give us 8200000 United States dollars to transfer to you through proper documentation in the position of your oh, own account. All right. Uh... So yeah, that's animated for jerks funded for the next four <laughs> years. Uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back next month with Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Uh, yeah, and remember, there is nothing less important than anime. Don't be all later.